The Only Black Girl in the Room is a podcast created to empower ambitious Black girls who seek a future that is not limited by the options that are presented to them. My goal is to provide representation of Black girls who are doing big things in the world and creating a fulfilling life and career because hashtag representation matters. It is my hope that this podcast will inspire, uplift, and create a pathway where previously there seemed to be uncharted territories in the journey of life. So let's get to it. Welcome to episode three of The Only Black Girl in the Room. I'm your host, Tiana Starks. I hope that you all really enjoyed episode two with Geneva S. Thomas. Um, I know our conversation was kind of long, but um, I hope you listened to the end because toward the end of the episode, she really started to get into more about being the only black girl in the room um, at a pretty high-powered position or career. And she really started to uh, drop more insight and helpful information. So if you didn't listen to the entire thing, I would suggest that you skip forward to like uh, maybe about three fourths the way through and listen for more juicy stuff. This week, I have been extremely busy. So like, Like I was saying on the first episode, I normally, you know, don't have a hard time finding something to be obsessed over, but it's been a crazy week. However, I still um, have something that I've been obsessing over for a long time. And um, yesterday I was able to actually do this activity. So I was like, yeah, I love this. This is what I'm obsessed with this week. So I call it... um, scrap planning, kind of like scrapbooking, but with like a planner. I am an extreme planner. Like I have three lists that I make every day and I'm kind of just weird that way. So when I have an opportunity, like at the beginning of the week, I will um, take like stickers and pictures and things and put them in my planner as I'm preparing for my week. And it's like scrapbooking. I think I used to have a planner called the Happy Planner, and they also make all these different types of stickers that you can get. So you can get them. uh, They're about productivity or mementos or holidays or um, faith. There are all these different types of stickers that they have. And you can put them in your planner and they have like these little sections that you can like write notes in or take your to do's. Uh, I mean, put your to-dos on. And um, like if you are struggling with creating a um, plan for your week or you want to really stick to your to-dos and make sure that you are productive, it's a way to kind of add some fun and something that's really cute into something that could be otherwise boring. So I recommend it if you are a person who's trying to be more diligent about um, staying on task. And that's what I'm obsessed with this week. Um, So here with me today are 
is our, yeah, our um, <laughs> attorney, Jahan Crump Gibson, and attorney Ayana Alcindor of Great Lakes Legal Group, a law firm in Detroit, which they founded. Um, it is woman and minority owned. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so Jahan, um, they both are very accomplished. Jahan earned a dual Bachelor's of Arts degree in political science and English from Michigan State University prior to earning her Juris Doctorate from Wayne State University Law School. Some of her early ventures included opening her own legal and consulting firm, CNG Solutions PLC, before joining forces with Ayana. Due to her hard work and determination, Jahan has earned a number of prestigious positions and received public acclaim, including recognition by Michigan Super Lawyers Magazine as a rising star, not one, not two, but four times. (laughs) Um, She received the 2015 and 2016 Martindale Hubble Client Distinction Award and 2018 and 2017 and 2018 Martindale Hubble Client Champion Platinum Award. She's been recognized as one of Michigan Chronicles 40 Under 40. United States Senator Gary Peters appointed Jahan to the Michigan State Judicial Advisory Committee in 2017, which was formed to assist in making recommendations to the president to fill vacancies on the federal bench. Ayana also brings a wealth of experience to the law firm, Um, She received her Juris Doctorate from Western Michigan, Thomas M. Cooley Law School in 2013, and she actually interned at CNG Solutions with Jahan at her first firm. She also gained um, invaluable experience through a number of prestigious positions, including an internship with the Honorable Mark A. Randon of the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Michigan as well as an internship at the State Appellate Defender's Office. She served as Attorney and Client Servicing Associate at Ernst & Young and Compliance Officer and Business Manager at NRS Investments. So needless to say, these are some well-established, well-accomplished, and decorated women, and it's all very well-deserved. Thank you guys for coming. Thank Thank you for having us. Bobsy Twins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am so looking forward to having this conversation with you. You're two of my favorite people. If you didn't hey. know, yay. we love you too. <laughs> uh-huh, thanks. Um, so we're gonna just jump right into the discussion. As you know, on the only black girl in the room, our goal is to empower and in- inspire young black women who are starting their careers. Um, and don't often see a lot of people that look like them in professional spaces. So um, I want to ask you both, did you always want to be lawyers? Um, And if not, what inspired you to take that path? Or just kind of tell me how you came to to be lawyers. You want me to go first? My story is much less interesting than Ayana's, okay. but and the answer is yes. Uh, I did always want to be 
a lawyer. I didn't know what kind because when you're, you know, seven, you're not going, oh, I want to do murders and acquisitions. Most people aren't. So, but I always like solving problems and helping people. And the the law, that's what you do when you practice law. You solve problems and you help people achieve some sort of goal or desired outcome. So, uh, always wanted to do it. Um, when I got to college, I knew I wanted to go to law school. When I got to law school is when I had my various internship experience and that framed what areas I wanted to practice. But I always wanted to advocate for people. Okay. Before you answer, Ayana. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any moment in time where you wavered, where you felt like maybe this isn't for me? (laughs) Not that it, well, (laughs) yeah, that happens once a week Uh, (laughs) when the going gets tough, but the tough gets going. So I never wavered in, I'm going to do something else because this isn't for me. I I knew what this was what God called me to do, Mm -hmm. where there are tough times and was it an easy path? No. And those times you do question, like, did I need to do something else? But it's temporary, and I shook it off because I knew this was my path and what I was supposed to be doing. Oh, that's really good. Well, um, I have an undergrad degree in biology, so I <laughs> thought that I was going to be a doctor. Um, it wasn't until my junior year of undergrad when I took organic chemistry and failed that I knew I needed to switch paths. Like, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, but it was also my junior year, so I wasn't picking up another major. I graduated right. on time the next year with a bachelor's degree in biology. Um, So when I moved to Detroit in 2008, I was working for Wayne County Community College, and I had the opportunity to take free classes. So I took some paralegal classes. Some friends of mine were um, just entering law school, and I was like, well, maybe I can just work in a law office. And after one semester of those classes, I knew that I wanted to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. So um, the next semester, I took the LSAT. I applied for law school. And May 2010, I entered uh, Thomas and Cooley Law School. Oh, wow. And the rest is history. That is an interesting <laughs> story. So what did your your parents say when you told them you weren't going to be a doctor? They were like, duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> they said, we knew you were either going to be a doctor or a lawyer. You've been telling people what to do or what you ain't going to do your entire <laughs> life. So why not help people with um, my Hard-headedness. Okay. <laughs> I call it indignant, but it's fine. That's okay. It's all for the greater good, right? <laughs> that's, that's what I tell them. <laughs> okay, so when I think about the law profession in general, it doesn't seem very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, you know, we work together in another realm. So I see a lot of people talk to you guys about how inspiring you are being um, black women attorneys. So what specific types of challenges have you guys had um, kind of navigating through your career in an industry that doesn't seem to have very many people that look like you? It's been interesting. Um, (laughs) One of my favorite stories, uh, and you will hear this as a common thread if you talk to black women lawyers that have been practicing for any amount of time, and especially in certain practice areas, because the reality is there tend to be more African-Americans in certain practice areas. That's just the reality. I'll put a pin in that. But uh, I remember when I was in probate court and I was in front of a uh, a Caucasian judge and my name is on all the pleadings. Pleadings are things, documents that you submit to the court. 
So my name is plastered all over everything. And I go up for the hearing standing next to my client, put my appearance on the record. I've had no name changes. So <laughs> it's the name that's on the documents. And he literally looks at me and he's like, you're the attorney. Nah, I'm just, nah, <laughs> if I just showed up like, hey, what's going on in here? Like, just moral just, support. You know, I'm just standing here next to her hanging out. This is my cousin. And <laughs> and so, I mean, and it was kind of like, and, and it, he didn't even say it in like a, it wasn't foul way. Like, he was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> like, just mm-hmm. like, you're, you're the lawyer? And it was like, you could tell, like, it fell out of his mouth before. So what you see a lot, and Ayana's been mistaken as the client when she's gone to check in on behalf wow, of a client. You walk into <laughs> depositions, crazy. people think we're the court reporter because, um, oh, my gosh, there's no way that you're here and you're actually the lawyer. Um, so that's happened plenty of times. Or you've walked into – I actually had th- this happen a couple months ago. I was going into another law office for, like, a, a conference, and when I walked in the door – I had to give them, everybody else got ushered back like immediately. And then they had to like take my name. I had to like sit in the waiting room because just by the way that I look, there's no way that she could be going in there with all those white men. (laughs) Like why why is she here? She's not a lawyer. She's a client or something. or She's here for an interview, you know, (laughs) as an admin. So whatever the case may be. So you get that a lot. But honestly, it just drives you you know, to, to, to work harder and prove that I deserve to be here, you know, just like anybody else. Right. So, yeah. but it happens more often than you think. That is crazy. Like it, I'm literally sitting here shocked. So, <laughs> um, so like, how do you in that moment, like handle that, like deal with it while you're there? Because I don't know, for me, I don't know. I would probably handle it appropriately, but I wouldn't you want would. to. <laughs> In your mind, right. you wouldn't. <laughs> I think you have to remember why you're there and how you got there. Like mm-hmm. there are so many women who stood in our, you know, our stood in that space before we did, mm. and to think about them and the struggle that they had to go through. A sheriff mistaking me for a client is not a big deal. Yeah, and it empowers me. Like, oh, you thought I was a client? No, I'm actually an attorney, and I'm about to tear this down. Right, <laughs> <laughs> shutting it <laughs> down. <laughs> okay, like, yeah, like you didn't, you, you um, underestimated me. So now I have right. to prove you. Let me show wrong. you. Right, and yeah. and to add to that, and of course, in in your in your insides, you're like seething, of oh, course. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing that I also note, since this is a a podcast talking about young black women entering spaces where we typically aren't, it doesn't help you to go angry black woman. Yeah. That is just never the thing to do Mm -hmm. ever. It's, it's, it's counterproductive. It's, it's not going to work well for you. So you need to take a step back and assess again, like Ayana said, why am I here? What are my goals? What am I trying to accomplish? And you, you show them better than you can tell them. You don't get all angry black woman like oh you didn't know google me like i mean that's just it's not the way to go about things and i absolutely love those times when people say or do something that they know is just completely disrespectful Mm -hmm. and they expect the angry black woman to come out Mm -hmm. and when it doesn't they don't know what to do (laughs) like Like, wait hold on she she must she didn't hear me she didn't hear me i'll (laughs) repeat it (laughs) so um um, but moving on to my next question then. So do you guys feel extra pressure to succeed because you are black women? 
100%. You have to be better. It's not okay to be as good as. You have to be better for the reasons that we just stated. Everyone's looking at you. And the way I look at things, not only for my clients, obviously I'm trying to get a result for my clients, but this isn't just about me. You know, the reason why folks have that reaction, oh, is that the attorney? Is that the, you know, the client? Whatever it is, I mean... it's implicit bias and it's settled and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, what it may not be overt racism nowadays, but now it's implicit bias Mm -hmm. and we have to change the, the tone. So, um, I don't even remember the question. I started babbling. What was the question? question. Do you feel extra? Oh yes. So because of that, (laughs) (laughs) I do feel like I have to overperform, you know, Mm -hmm. um, not only for me to show I need to be here, but people that look like me deserve to be here too. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 not the same. It's not okay to be just you know do mediocre, average. Absolutely, or, they yeah. they can do that. Right. They absolutely can mm-hmm. do that. We can't. Mm. Do you think that in the law profession that it's even more so like you need to be better than say if you were I don't know in some type of biz, other business field. Um, I mean, you guys are entrepreneurs as well, so you have that business. But if you were just working at a corporate job, do you think that because you're lawyers and it's a matter of public record and things like that, that that's even more so? I don't want to make that comparison, but I I definitely feel the pressure, especially when clients' freedom or family, mm. children are on the line. Like, there's there are serious consequences when mm. we, when attorneys don't, perform in court yeah you know so that's an added pressure that is the paramount pressure (laughs) okay yeah that makes sense um and I just thought I mean I know that you guys would never say this but But I literally thought of you like in comparison to a doctor I never really thought of it that way um Mm -hmm. because in advertising in my profession like it's commonplace for somebody to be in a meeting and be like hey guys we're not doing brain surgery here, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not that big of a deal. We say that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the brain surgery or rocket science. <laughs> but it is so important, like when you put it that way, that it's people's actual livelihood. Like they're not going to die on the operating table. But I mean, if in the event you had somebody that could be getting death row, they could die still. That's important. Um That and just livelihood in general. I mean, when you're dealing with, again, people's kids or jail time or their estate plans or their business, our business, that's everything. It's your livelihood. So folks don't look at it in that context of, you know, the issues that we deal with are deal breakers in people's lives. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure from the public front when you're standing in front of the judge, but all the work that you do, you know, to get to court. It's not like TV. You just don't bust up with files looking good in your suit and just be ready. It's a lot of preparation. And I was actually just having this conversation about two weeks ago um, in terms of how many different things that lawyers have to deal with, like rules, statutory deadlines. Like the law is one thing. The argument that you're going to make for your client is one thing. But when certain motions can be filed, if you blow this deadline, what could happen? The whole case could be thrown out or this, you know. So there's so much pressure with not only – you know, advocating for your client, but doing it how all these rules say, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we have our ethical obligations too Mm -hmm. on top of that. So it's a lot that goes into it. 
So my question. That is a lot. It is a lot. That's why they don't pay us enough. (laughs) I was just thinking, well, that's why you guys make the big money. With the added pressure of being black and young and women. Right, right, right. All over the place. So I was, my question came back to me. Um, It was a lot of times, like for me, I'll say as I was early in my career, which is why I initially started the blog that used to be the only black girl in the room. Cause I was literally always the only black mm-hmm. girl in the room. Probably I'm still like, you know, <laughs> you didn't never goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you guys kind of have each other. Does that help? Um, you kind of cope with different scenarios that you may be facing or, um, do you feel that it's important for other young black women to find someone that they can that can relate with them? It is absolutely essential. Yeah. I love the fact that I could go to court, come back to the office, <laughs> and talk to Jayhan about my day, and she understands exactly what I'm talking yeah. about from the professional standpoint and a personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. And because so many times we're the only black woman in the room, you have to have a network around you to support you and lift you up in those times when you don't know what the heck you're doing (laughs) or how you're going to make it through something. So um, it is absolutely essential. I agree. I mean, the reality is uh, a black man can't relate to how we feel. Mm -hmm. A white woman can't relate to how we feel. So, I mean, obviously, practice the law is practice the law. So you can call those folks and say, oh, can you believe this motion? But the experience is going to be entirely different. So I think it is necessary to have, even if it's not where you work, because obviously you can't control, especially if you're in a corporate environment, you can't control who you're working with, but maybe folks in the same industry, whether it's through a networking group, most black professionals have some sort of society group, insert whatever, you know, Wolverine Bar. Association. Association, (laughs) there we go. Some sort of, you know, professional association or infinity group. Um, But talk to those folks. It's literally therapeutic and you don't understand how much it can help you because it can get lonely. You know, even before I was a practicing attorney at one of my internships, I was the only there were maybe in the entire like corporate legal department. And this was like in other states, not just Michigan. I think there were three blacks by the time. I think there's one remaining there now Mm -hmm. Um, and actually two left like the summer, (laughs) the first summer I was interning. But I was the only black intern and we had some that came over from real estate. And I remember I had an assignment from one of the attorneys in Lansing, and I was trying to figure out how to get, I had done the substantive part of the assignment myself, but a lot of the legal assistants were black. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm expecting somebody to just help, <laughs> help me. <laughs> just, so I went to one of them, and I'll never forget how she looked up to me. I said, oh, attorney so-and-so wanted me to do this research. And, you know, since he's in Lansing, you know, that was a little while ago. I'm not going to date myself. So, I mean, we had email, but it wasn't is, you know, simple as things are nowadays. <laughs> and there's all these servers and weird stuff. So I'm trying to figure out, since she was assigned to him, the best way to get the assignment to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the way she turned and looked at me, like, I mean, like just as if, like, <sighs> like literally audibly sighed, rolled her eyes, like acted like really? I was just, I mean, and I she remember. didn't know you. I was <laughs> like, and of course, you know, I'm like, is she, you? <laughs> This place has cameras. <laughs> so that's all, that's all I could think. But I was discouraged when I walked away because mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I at least expected some support 
yeah. you know, grant or courtesy, courtesy or least. something. Like, treat me like a human. Because quite honestly, had I gone to the white legal assistant, she wouldn't have, they were all, what do you need? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, like, so, and that's that's something else that you'll find, unfortunately. And that's a, another, that's a whole nother topic for, um you know. But anyway, it would have been easier if I had at least some folks that were there in the industry because I was I was all alone. Yeah, that is a shame. And that's funny because I was speaking with um, my friend Tia DeShazer. She is an actress mm-hmm. on Broadway mm-hmm. in New York. And um, I was asking her a similar question because um, she was on mm-hmm. about, well, not a similar question. I was asking her about um, the camaraderie because there are limited roles. Is it more of a rivalry? And she mm-hmm. said, no that they actually bond together more. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's that's really interesting and awesome because in corporate spaces, it's not Mm-mm. like that Mm-mm. at all. <laughs> it's like, uh, I do want to ask you, you both do quite a bit of mentoring, which I think is awesome. Um, why do you feel that it's important for you guys to give back in that way? So for me, um, you know, I had folks in my life that I could look up to and that carried me along the way. And if if it weren't for them, I absolutely wouldn't be where I am today. So it became a a personal charge for me from that standpoint. Like somebody helped me, I'm going to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. But in general, when you just look up at the generations coming behind us, and this is just the case, black people in general, you want our youth to be able to see folks that look like them doing things that just aren't on TV. And I'm not knocking the arts or sports or anything like that, but you typically tend to see us going to jail, playing sports, or in entertainment. And we do more than that. We're so much more than that. Um, So kids need the exposure. And sometimes you just need to to sit down in front of somebody and see, oh, my gosh, like that is attainable. So we had a, um, the Wolverine Bar, we partnered with Mumford last year for this documentary, and we gave them a fact pattern, and it was one half of the class that was prosecution The other half, that was defense. And when I walked in to give the kids the fact pattern the first day, one of the young ladies said, and she looked at me mouth wide open. She goes, you're a lawyer? And her teacher was like, do do you know her? And I was like, no. (laughs) And she said, no, she said, I've I've never met a lawyer before at all. I've never seen one. I just Mm -hmm. didn't know. And she was so enthralled. And toward the end of the program, we were actually able to introduce her to the chief judge of federal court, who is a black woman. Oh, that's awesome. Which is amazing. She told her to come back. We're going to go to lunch. We had her come to the barrister's ball Aww. to meet other lawyers. But that's, and she really, she wants to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And she is probably what you would consider like at risk youth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but for these types of opportunities, you don't know what type of cycle she could fall into. So that's why I think it's so important. Yeah. With mentorship, like how how could you not? There's no absolutely no way that I would be in the position that I am today without people that took time to explain things to me or answer questions. Just I, we have to. (laughs) Why is there a choice? (laughs) Whether it's a phone call from a student in college who just doesn't know what to do with their lives, or you know, friends and family back home who are struggling in something, like it it just means a lot to to give back to the people who have helped you. Yeah. And especially, I mean, like you were saying, you brought up the at-risk, um, you know, that the mm-hmm. the young girl would be considered at-risk, which to me is really, um, it hits home because I just went through last summer this whole ordeal 
switching school districts with my daughter, mm-hmm. and we went from a predominantly white school district to a predominantly black school district. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for um, young black professionals to show up for mm-hmm. those students so mm-hmm. that they can see it because they're not, I mean, Sure, they're at risk because of whatever social situation they have going on. Mm -hmm. But they're regular people, like, you know. And to be able to see um, someone that looks like you do well and not illegally. It's important. It's important, yeah. And also because I'm I'm, I'm on a tangent, but... Please, (laughs) this is fine. But because... My experience, and I didn't know that this was my experience until we moved to the black school district, is that implicit bias is so real Mm -hmm. that they put it, like they label your children without really knowing anything about them. And so for me, my daughter has done so much better in the black school district Mm -hmm. that people say is not that great of a school district Mm -hmm. than she did in the other school district because of her confidence Mm -hmm. and it's crazy like it just it makes me really upset but (laughs) we're like yeah put that put that also in soapbox (laughs) issue number two (laughs) so um one last question what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? For me, I would I would tell my younger self, you cannot control everything. Um, I am, this may be a surprise, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> shucker. Um, but I used to, my mom told me when I was first learning how to um, write, when we were doing handwriting in school still, what a concept. And if I had to make an erasure, I would freak out. Like she told me, I would literally start like, I mean, I would lose it. And she's, first she's like, do I need to get my child in counseling? Because like, I know you're upset you made a mistake, but just like, calm down. It's an erasure. <laughs> like take a deep breath. Stay with me here. But I used to have a major issue if I couldn't control things and they, you know, but this is life. Right. Curveballs are going to be thrown your way. Obstacles and no matter how you plan, you should. Um, cause I'm OCD, I do plan, but there's, there are going to be things that are out of your control and you have to learn how to ride the wave, you know, mm-hmm. uh, keep your faith and you have to stay the course to be able to, cons- uh, to succeed despite the obstacles. So I think that was something that had I told my younger self though, I probably had a little bit less grief freaking out over stuff that I can't control. Yeah. That is um, so important. I needed to hear that today. I was going to say, (laughs) it's a work in progress. Let me be clear. I would have told my younger self two days ago because I'm two days older. (laughs) But I'm a little bit better about it because and what I also do find is when you're in high stress environments, no matter what it is, I mean, being a mom, you know, at work, whatever it is, when you get to a certain point, you just cannot afford to freak out. Like, you just, I mean, you just flat out can't. So in a lot of situations, I'm like, oh, that's. All right. Okay. So then <laughs> next, because it's just, what am I going to do about it? Like, so um, a lot of times, and even though I say I would have told my younger self that it takes experience to get there. Yeah. It's easier said than done mm-hmm. to say, I know I can't control everything, so I'm not going to, mm, easier said than done. Yeah. Oh, I was not that type of child. So I would have <laughs> told myself to work harder. Um, I was not a great student. I was a straight C student through, oh, 
undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> when you got to like real from, school and actually had to work. Kindergarten to undergrad. I, <laughs> I was not someone that did a whole lot of homework. Um, so definitely work harder because it would probably make life a lot easier now. Um, I'd probably like to read more and, you know, do things like Says that. Says the lawyer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do read a I'm lot. Sorry, I'm sure but you act- read a lot. actually liking it uh, <laughs> is, is another thing. For leisure. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was thank fun you. as I knew it would be. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Can we come back? Yes. <laughs> Let's talk some more. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Only Black Girl in the Room. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and share with a friend or an associate or anyone you think can benefit from this conversation. You can find The Only Black Girl in the Room on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. If you have any questions or just want to kick it, email the show at info at theonlyblackgirlintheroom.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Only Black Girl in the Room. <laughs> <laughs>